Welcome to the studio interviews. I'm Diana Brown and we're back. It's been a while and our very first interview in the year would be 2014 is with a San Francisco based producer, director and actor. He's a triple threat. His name is Andre Esterlis and we are recording right now from the set of his new pop-up theater event, Collected Stories. Andre, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. So first of all, tell us what pop-up theater is. Well, it's a concept that you helped me to come up with. Um, it's an ability to bring quality shows to unusual and strange venues that aren't exactly designed to be theaters to begin with, but they are uh, interesting enough to be inside of. And uh, so we think that we can explore that offbeat approach to have folks to entertain and, you know, to for it to be part of an event that it's happening in a venue that is not exactly designed for it to be used as theater and that we're able to bring that experience, that immediacy into an empty room of a hotel, um, bookstore maybe. I've done it at the library, so that's what it is, ability to bring shows into unusual venues. It sounds like a very intimate experience. So how many people do you seat? Well, based on the space, anywhere from 30 to 60, I guess. That's usually the capacity. All right. So people walk in to see uh, your show, and they walk into a, a function room, and, and they find an entire theatrical experience plopped down in the middle of what would be a boring meeting room. Is that correct? That's right, yes. The idea is to have them being slightly thrown when they walk in into the room where they you know, don't really expect to see much and to wow them with uh, you know, the set coming right at them. Yeah, that, that's exactly the idea, to have them say, wow, that's a main objective. Now, other people that I uh, have spoken to about your work call you one of the most visceral producers in the Bay Area. What does that mean to you? What is a visceral theatrical experience? Well, just being very immediate, um, very present with any piece that is performed to cut out all the needed unneeded melodrama or preachiness if it's there. Um, you know, people at the moment exposed to so much good acting and directing, you know, through television and good movies that I think theater needs to catch up a bit and to become as strong and as visceral and as immediate as some good shows you can see on HBO or Showtime because people really don't have to leave their house to see good work, good acting, good directing. And so hopefully, you know, to to be visceral to me means to compete with that, to be as interesting as an important and as entertaining, really entertaining, even if it's a very you know, wordy or kind of cerebral piece to make it as accessible and as entertaining as possible so people would not just get up and leave. Because if you have a small space, you can also see everybody getting up and leaving at the same time. So, <laughs> Now, has this happened to you? Sure. I think it happened to everyone. But, um, you know, uh, hopefully you'll have less and less of that happening. But it's unavoidable. But, uh, you know, that's part of the immediate experience. But generally it doesn't happen very often, so it's not that troublesome. But, uh, yeah, that certainly happened. And in a much bigger space, as people get up and leave, it's not like you'd notice. But in a space that is as immediate, and we are literally sitting in a room that's 840 square feet. So the audience is as close to the front, well, the front rows as close to the stage as you and I are right now. That's right, yes. And that's fantastic. I think as a performer, you have a chance to kind of show off your skill, uh, how uh, real you can be when people watch you so close. So you can, it also allows you to communicate with very small gestures and uh, make makes it to be very cinematic but 
ability of theater to tell the story continuously instead of cutting it and you know shooting in little pieces. So that's I think where we try to kind of match maybe certain experiences you would see on television with but the ability for you to tell the entire story nonstop but be as cinematic and as interesting that where the thrill comes in I think for people that are acting in those shows that they you you can be checked to see how good you are or not in that proximity but you also have an ability to tell the whole story the entire story nonstop so I think for actors it's just a better thrill now I know that you are very very uh, inspired by a few different theater well, theater makers, but also by movie directors. Who is your favorite movie director? Uh, just if just one, you can only have one. <laughs> well, I really love Quentin Tarantino. That if it would be one, but there's also people that are so close. They're slightly different age group, but uh, I really like Barry Levinson. That's the director that I think I try to steal the most out of, to, if I could. Steal? Yeah, how he combines uh, music tracks with uh, with action and. Uh, what he is able to extract out of his performers, but I think Tarantino just has, uh, <laughs> how to say it politely, he certainly has, uh, he's a badass guy. He is a badass mofo, let's just be straight up on that. Yes, he is very much so, and uh, just brave and, and, and just amazing. When I saw Pulp Fiction, uh, I never took any directing courses, I mean, I've studied acting and directing uh, I mean, acting I'm sorry in so in Russia and um, took very few directing courses just because they're part of the program but just watching his movies uh, you know made me realize you don't really have to go to school if you like it and if you see good material and see how it put together by someone else that you can at first mimic and then hopefully just find your own way of doing it but he is one of those guys that are extremely visceral and you know for some people maybe even overboard but for me just within the threshold of where it needs to be now i was uh, in the lobby just a little bit ago and i was speaking with a couple of folks who have followed your work in san francisco they saw you uh you brought a production of dead certain which was your first pop-up here at the cartwright they saw that when you did it back at the royce they also saw your production of no exit so you have quite a, a calendar of work that you have done here what was the very first piece that you produced in the Bay Area? Was uh, two one acts by Chekhov, The Brute and The Marriage Proposal, the two short plays that aren't done that often. Uh, they're done as movies more, uh, and maybe just they're really sketches. But uh, so those were the first two I've done because I really liked Chekhov at that time, but I didn't really, I was never, I don't, I didn't think I had enough uh, ability to put on his big shows but uh, those two were very quick and light enough he was apparently inspired by Italian farces when he wrote those but as time went on I realized that I'm not saying that his plays are outdated not by any means but I just don't I don't think I have a capacity to put them on the, yeah those were two short ones because I read them in both Russian and English and uh, so and I found the English translation to be actually lighter and uh, funny and very current as far as language so those are the first two yeah i've done them at borders bookstore so you were doing pop-up theater before you coined the phrase right. actually i think your production manager coined the phrase now you pick plays that have a smaller cast tell us why you make that choice well i always was attracted to small casts uh, i've seen a lot of shows like that done by actors on both sides you know of the ocean <laughs> uh, and uh, you know in, in in Soviet Union and Russia and in here uh, and um, just allows to cast more evenly and I think you get to know the character better if there's not a lot of distractions not a lot of walk-ons and you can 
get actors to a certain temperature when they just kind of reach that cruising altitude, when they just really become relaxed and understand what's happening. And um, so just, I think audience appreciates it too. I mean, I noticed that people are appreciative of the fact that they don't have to really follow that many people. There's only two, you zoom in on the lives of two or three, maybe maximum four people. And so uh, the throw lines are understood and it's easy to see what's what's happening. It just was always attracted to smaller casts uh, on stage. Movies, of course, understood that, it, you know, you can certainly use more of extras in larger casts, but show uh, stage productions, because I always like some of the best acting I've seen, you know, was in acting classes, like, you know, with Jill, Jill Shelton Acting School, for instance, when it was small space in two or three actors just going at it with... Uh, they relax, they're spontaneous, they, you know, they're not interrupted by anything else. And so I just want to recapture that. And uh, I just always thought small cast and not very long pieces, maybe up to an hour and 30 minutes. They seem, they, in my opinion, they have uh, commercial value, they're entertaining, they, they're not too long for people to get tired. And I try to have no intermission. So all in all, it just I think it just makes for a very interesting, entertaining, and sometimes very slick experience. Not in a bad way, slick, but that you have less mistakes and, you know, if people on all the time, as I said, they just get warmed up by the show as the show continues and they just, you know, deliver the part and think quite a different way than you would have gotten out of a huge cast and tons of understudies and stuff like that. Now, I remember um, one of the uh, reviews that I saw online for the play that you did last year, Dead Certain, um, they said it came at you like a train. Do you uh, remember that and do you want to uh, expound on that a little bit? Yeah, no, that's a good one. Hopefully you get, you know, when you get those, it's always nice. But yeah, I, I think, well, it, it, ideas for it, for the show to really come as a train, uh, pick up a speed very rapidly and just really have people, you know, watching it <laughs> with their eyes, with, you know, with their eyes, you know, wide and mouth open, so to speak. So no, it's a good comment. I mean, I, I, to me, that means that the people are entertained and then whatever message, if there's any thought in the show or any anything then you know that has to be communicated if it's wrapped well and entertaining then it doesn't come across as preachy or you know condescending so to me that means the people who wrote it had a good time which is great so you have had quite an interesting journey yourself you you do come to this country from tell us about where you're from and a little bit about that journey yeah it came from odessa which is uh Ukraine. I don't know what it'll be in the next month or so, but at the moment it is Ukraine. And uh, yeah, my family is from Ukraine, so I uh, went to school and did some a lot of sketch comedy in Odessa. Uh, always wanted to transition to more serious theater work, but uh, didn't have much ability to do it because sketch comedy actually allowed me to allowed me to pay bills and to you know to make a living, so to speak. But uh, then I, I said I went to um, small acting school. I tried to go to big schools in Moscow, but they were very hard to get into, so I didn't. Uh, then I had to go to the army, then I came back from the army, and eventually I got married, and there was a big Jewish exodus from Odessa, from old Soviet Union, from Ukraine, so I kind of jumped on that train, with the, because I had relatives in the United States, and um, did initially think of coming, but eventually as things progressed, because I got married, and I uh, had my first child, so they were already ready to go, so I had to quit everything I was doing, so quit my sketch comedy group that I was with and uh, I started actually just began to kind of maybe producing on my own and uh, very small pieces uh, and uh, also one act and then eventually got to United States where I had to re learn the language relearn how to how, I always like how 
theater and movies. Well, I didn't see a lot of American theater, but I've seen movies, and I realized there's quite a gap between American acting and European acting where I really preferred American style, if you can call it a style, just way approach, because it was more immediate, it was more no-nonsense, and uh, really was not too heavy with, uh, you know, five books written by Stanislavski, who, where you have to follow a certain path. I just found it more liberating, I guess, to me personally. I don't know how it was for other, for other people, but to me, it, I found it to be, uh, I liked it more, so I wanted to learn it to see how is it that they are so free and relaxed and, uh, and, 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 you know, kind of unafraid to turn the scene in an interesting way and stuff like that. So I kind of started from scratch and took Theater 101, Acting 101 at City College in San Francisco. And uh, because I did have some stage experience, I got eventually promoted to advanced class by a teacher. But that really allowed me to kind of Get a, get a good grasp of what the differences are, and uh, you know, and eventually I just kind of start joining theater groups, you know, productions, and eventually decided to kind of produce on my own if I could. Now I want to share with our listeners that just before moving to the United States, you were the host of what was uh, the Soviets, well, former Soviet Union's version of Headbangers Ball. Talk about hosting a metal show. Yeah, that was actually, it was broadcast in Ukraine, not in, uh, it was already, the country was already divided at that point uh, a bit, and uh, so that show was recorded in Odessa and was broadcast in Ukraine, not in Russia, but I had, I was asked to host, I guess the MTV, similar to an MTV style program where I had to introduce metal bands uh, from Odessa or surrounding areas, and uh, my job was to fill in between their acts with, you know, a joke or just to look in the camera and saying a few phrases, but not knowing anything about metal music. And uh, it was a very strange experience, but uh, it, it somehow got uh, actually picked up by the local station and they broadcast it a few times. And when I left, apparently they wanted to do more, but uh, I was already on this side of the planet. Their loss was our gain because you're here now. So I want to thank you so much for being with us. And before I let you go, please tell us what's currently running and how we can get tickets. Yeah, we are presenting Collected Stories at the Cartwright Hotel with uh, Diana Brown uh-huh. and, and Kat Knizel. And you can get tickets at collectedstoriessf.com. Uh, it's a website that takes you to where you pay for a ticket. You can get tickets at the door uh, at the Cartwright Hotel located on Union Square on Powell and Sutter. And uh, it is a, as pop-up theater as it goes. We put the set up uh, in midweek, and we take it down at the end of the week. So, but the experience in between those two days, I think, is pretty, uh, pretty interesting. We seem to have a very good feedback on the show. It's really, really good, and uh, you're fantastic in it. Well, that's very kind of you. Thank you so much. And, of course, let's once again thank Dan Wilson for making it all sound good. Thanks for listening. These studio interviews are part of the Radio Star Network. You can find all our interviews at radiostarnetwork.com or on iTunes. This has been a Cassandra's Call production.